1: so excited there now we're recording now we're recording (laughs) yes angry staffers in the chat i should just open up the show with this welcome to the pride of detroit pod cast for those of you not live on twitch you just saw me completely forget to hit the record buttons and do the glorious intro i am used to doing
2: I completely
1: forgot <laughs> to hit the record button. We are professional here. Uh, download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Please do so. We're almost at 60000 for the month. It would mean a lot to me. Other than me, just completely screwing the pooch there. And I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, where you can yell at me for completely. <laughs> screwing up the start of the podcast oh my god i'm so tired let me get to the yeah yeah everyone and everyone in the twitch chat we're live on twitch.tv slash pride detroit is saying hey that was actually pretty good but also angry staffers as we screw this up uh yeah, I, let's get to the crow. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Happy Rosh Hashanah, buddy. Uh, I'm sorry we screwed up your intro the first time. I,
3: I nailed it, so I'm just gonna try to repeat as much as possible because right now I'm back from Ford Field and I'm not sure how I'm feeling. It's not bad. It's kind of like a, a purgatory because I'm 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 encouraged, but I'm upset with the result. But I mean, you can look at if you're watching live, you can see I'm kind of smiling right now and. And that's never happened
1: after a loss like this in, in such a big game. So, And there's I'm, a lot of good okay. to talk about this game. So we're ex- I'm excited to talk about it. However, you're not wearing the new SB Nation Pride to Detroit I shirts know, know. we got for the staff. It's coming. We'll see. We'll see how I feel by the end of the podcast. He's at Detroit Online. I'm at Chris Perfett. Let's bring in our third man here, Ryan Matthews. Everyone on Twitch, say it. Mother- mother- rock rock God. God. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. At least someone is knows what's going on in the show. Uh, Ryan Matthews, hello, man. At Ryan underscore pod. How you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing well. And shout out Cordy, Aaron, and, and Steve Staber for knowing the drop. <laughs> I don't know if I'm super excited to have this forever be inextricably linked to me or not. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. It's kind of it's kind of like how I think about the Detroit Lions now in 2019. I'm still it's not sure thing. to think, but I think it's a good thing. <laughs>
1: I like it. We think Detroit Lions football 2019. We think it's a good thing. We think it's a good thing. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, This is usually where we do our Twitch warm up, but I think me screwing up the intro means we should just get right into it before everyone else decides to leave us for this clown show. (laughs) So, all right. Let's get into it. Detroit Lions narrowly losing 34-30 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Heartbreaker in the final, in the final drive, uh, and but a game where they hung tough with probably one of like a team that is probably going to at the very least go back to the AFC Championship this year, like without without a doubt. However, if we've known anything about the Lions, I think they just handed other teams the game plan on how to fight the powers that be, kind of like they did with the Rams last year. So uh, I don't know where to start. Do you want to start in the rants, Jeremy, which is what we're now calling the opening monologues, or do you want to start with uh, some highlights and key thoughts I had from specific drives in this game?
3: I'll I'll start off with a with a rantor
1: and monologue or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Sure, sure. Do you wanna I, I can pick it up if you want me to start? It's up to you. Or you can You're do it. You're the adequate host here. Who who gets first word here? I'm feeling spooked right now. I'm also feeling spooked because my uh, like everyone like yelled at me for my take on Twitter, which I usually don't get spooked about, but I was not expecting saying something like moral victories don't exist in the NFL was a, a terrible thing, considering it's in everyone else's like, you know, recaps and, and blog posts. But listen, okay, the rants. Uh, Let's see. Zusifer says, by the way, last week we said Chris was better than adequate. Man, this week is very adequate. All right. My friend and my mentor, Rob Parker, who uh, is much more negative about the Lions than I am. Yes, I see you, Jeremy. Yes, (laughs) Rob. Rob was on one after this game, but that's Rob. It's whatever. I don't, I don't follow his style, but you know, he, he's a generous man, but One thing he always told me was there is a very short menu in sports, wins and losses. I don't think that's completely correct because there's also ties as the Lions have demonstrated here in 2019, but not that withstanding, I don't, I don't like the idea that this was a moral victory for the Lions. That's the negative side of thing. I'm not going to be negative here. So just hold, hold on, hold on here before you start throwing things at me. It's a loss in the column, just like all those dirty wins that the Lions were having. All those muddy, filthy wins were just count as wins. You're not, as I said last week, you're not impressing a playoff committee. You're not impressing pollsters with the AP. You are doing just enough what you need to do to win in the NFL week to week. But I think the important thing here, besides the fact that, you know, the Lions Lions lost, and that's the unfortunate thing about this, because they played a very good game, But I think the big thing for me coming out of this game, besides uh, anything, like, I'm going to kill them a little bit on the final drive, but I don't want to do that right now. The big takeaway for me on this game was we, we can say for sure who the Lions are right now. And that is their strength is game planning. And why I say I'm not taking away too much from this game as saying, hey, this is a positive, the Lions are like showed major improvements against the Chiefs is because week to week, we we we've always said, Jeremy, sometimes we don't know what this team is. I feel like I know what this team is. I feel like this team, its strength is game planning. And that means week to week, it is going to look different because they're gonna be planning for that specific team. The Lions plan for this specific team with the Chiefs. It doesn't sound like too groundbreaking. Wow, Chris, news at eleven. Wow, they game plan for the Chiefs. But I mean that in in a in a in an absolute. Just like how the Lions game plan for the Patriots last year. This was they understood the weaknesses of the Chiefs and they planned explicitly for that. They took away Mahomes, throwing through the air. They they forced the Chiefs to get on the ground. They've kept the Chiefs off the field. And they just came up short because in the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes shined through in a few places, and there was some ticky-tack stuff on the final drives and on a fumble uh, that probably the Lions should have jumped on rather than just assuming the whistle was going to be there. But I know some people also blame the refs on that, too. As we we said before, it's always like five plays that determine these games. But uh, that's... Sometimes the game planning is going to work out for you. Sometimes it's not. But I will tell you that Stafford looked good in this game. Uh, on Johnson looked good in this game. Everything you wanted to to try to beat the Chiefs was there, and it just fell short. And that's just who the Lions are. Sometimes they're going to win against these these things, but they're always going to play close. That's why I thought originally on it was the Lions like dragging teams into the mud. And beating them in kind of ugly, filthy games. I don't think this was an ugly, filthy game. A lot of people seem to really think this was kind of almost the game of the week here. Because it was far more entertaining than people, I think, thought it was going to be. But it's just how the Lions are going to play their football. I don't think, unless their game plan really hits home, like A-team, I love it when a plan comes together. They're not going to just go out there and boat race a team. This is just how they play football right now. And... That means, though, that I mean, look, the first half has been going great for the Lions. It's weird because we were just talking about first place in the NFC North and this loss drops them to fourth until I think has the The Vikings third now because, yeah, the Vikings Bears game has gone final. So they're third. So it's kind of funny how that works out. But I think this one's going to hung hung tough on them because this was a game they could have had. They absolutely could have had this game. Just a few things needed to break their way. So, yeah, it's a loss. You can say that this team looked the best it's been all season, but I, I look at this game as kind of the inverse of the Cardinals game. I think this game will haunt the Lions, but for the different reason, not because the Lions should have handily beat the Cardinals, but because I feel like the Lions could have stole one from Kansas, from Kansas City here. But the, places, the, the pieces are in place that every other game on the schedule like this is going to kind of look like this.
3: There's, there's a couple things I want to tackle there, and then I'll get into my own point. The first is, is your game-planning point, and I think that's that's a good point to make because one of the things that you, we've always talked about the Patriots and, and we thought Matt Patricia was going to bring here was that this team was going to look different week-to-week week because they're game-planning, whereas a lot of teams, they have their offense, they have their defense that they want, they run those no matter who they're playing, and that's who they are. The Lions, however we expected them to be a game-planning team, a team that can look completely yeah. different from one week that's to the other. That's their identity. And that's mm-hmm. that's who we've pretty much seen. I mean, there are some commonalities between each game. You know, the run defense hasn't been very good. The run offense, for the most part, hasn't been very good. Today was obviously a little bit different. But you're getting Matt Patricia game-planning for every single opponent, and you're getting a different-looking Lions team. We saw Trey Flowers play the nose tackle a ton today. And part of that is because they're missing Mike Daniels, because they're missing Deshaun Hand. Part of it is because they need a speedy guy on the inside when you're playing Patrick Mahomes. So we, we, we did see a lot of different game planning and a big different lion's identity. I think that's a really good point that you made. Now to my point, and it kind of goes off your whole moral victories thing, I, I agree, like in the end, this game is still gonna be in L in in November. And yeah, it's I'm gonna be that. I'm
1: not saying you- I'm not saying you can't feel positive about it. Right. I just think that falls into right. the category of filler. Like nice things we can talk about during sure. the week, but it just doesn't matter at the end of the day.
3: Here's the thing though. This early in the season, we're, we're searching for one thing. Proof. We're, we're searching mm. for who each team is. Who's the good teams? Who are the bad teams? And you look at this Lions team now, they've put together three really good performances against really good opponents. Chargers, Eagles, Chiefs. Came out two and one out of those games won one of those winners on the road, competitive in all of them, could have won all three, probably could have lost all three. But here you're seeing one thing that's really important this time of year and really important in terms of finding out teams' identity. You're seeing consistency. You're seeing a team. Because yes. last year we would see a game like this every now and then. We'd see them beat the Packers. We'd see them beat the Patriots. But then the next week they'd go and lose to the 49ers or the Cowboys or get blown out by uh, Seattle. Lions have shown consistency for the first time under Matt Patricia in that they've been competitive, 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 competitive. Four straight games. They should be 3-1. They're 2-1-1. One one. They came out of the toughest part of the schedule 2-1-1, one and, one, and they haven't even played any division games yet. So their they're, they're head is above water. They're a half game behind first place, and they still have six division games left. So I have a pretty. Out- I think this is why I'm I'm smiling right now is because I'm feeling pretty good about this team. They they're showing consistency, and that's that's the name of the game in football, is if you can be a consistent team from week to week, be competitive week to week, you're gonna win these coin flips. You're gonna lose some, but you're gonna win some too. And when you start winning them, you're gonna start streaking them together. When you start streaking them take- together you're in the division
1: things good things happen i'm gonna take this comment here from Danga Raber real quick and then i'll let ryan get to his rant um he says i'm done with the patriot way let's start calling it the lion's way (laughs) uh funny enough so here the funny enough thing is i was talking with someone from the nfl and he said a lot of things people miss about the patriot way is like you know finding guys who have good floors not high ceilings uh I think the Lions way, I think it's what we're talking about here, Jerry. The Lions way right now is see what your see what your opponent is and just change everything week to week. Yep. It's kind of a, it's it's a be the wild card, be the wild card team. Just be the team that you don't have an identity. You have pieces to be whatever you want. But at the end of the day, you just want to be really bleeping annoying when game day comes.
3: I mean, we, we talk about all these players and versatility, right? Off all offseason, we're like, well, Justin Coleman played outside and inside. He can be versatile. Trey Flowers, he can play outside and inside. He can be versatile. This is that paying off, and I know, mm-hmm. I know, I sound crazy positive for a game in which the Lions lost on a last-minute, you know, touchdown. But there, there the, are the positive things about this team, and and I mean, how many times do we look at a game like this on the schedule and we're like, oh, this isn't going to be a fun game to watch. Lions are going to get blown out. I mean, people are coming into this week. People were definitely saying that this morning when Darius Slay was out. I was. This, this I was. game's not going to be yeah. fun. Patrick Mahomes is going to light up his laser eyes and, and blast the, the lines away. Yep. Didn't happen. He didn't score a touchdown in this game. First time since his first ever
2: start, Patrick Mahomes did not I didn't score see a coming. touchdown.
1: Now that I didn't see coming. Uh, Ryan, we got to get to you, your rant. What do you have for us? What What's your big takeaway from the game?
2: Well, so Jeremy talked about how this team is just really good at keeping its head above water. And I think i think chris you also talked about you know the idea of putting away that notion of a moral victory in the sense that this isn't going to be anything that's tangible in december you can't trade these you can't trade this in for a playoff visit like you can't like these things this isn't currency that is worth anything A week. no one's grading you
1: on strength of schedule no one's grading on the strength of your conference or your division yeah you gotta win baby
2: yeah and so i i think take taking those two points i think i've kind of changed what what I want to make my point. And I think my point is that what I said earlier, I think the Lions are a good football team, but I think that they're still quite a ways away from being great. And I'm not sure if they have room to grow into that this season. It's going to be interesting because I think one of the biggest components of being great, like Jeremy said, is consistency. But the one thing that I don't see them being able to do consistently is is finished games like that still seems very shaky right i mean even in their wins or even in their tie or even in their loss they didn't show an ability to consistently finish in a way that you would say a great team can and this bye week right now is going to go a long ways towards helping the alliance the lions in the immediacy and i think it's gonna it's probably gonna cause them some some bumps down the road when it gets to you know week 13 14 15. But I think in the here and now, one of the biggest things to take away from this game is that Matthew Stafford's still upright. I think that was one of our biggest concerns on Friday when he popped up on the injury report and he had a hip a hip injury.
1: Man, what Schefter said to you scared the hell out of me where it's like it's the closest he's been to not playing.
2: That's, that's I mean, and funny enough, I was watching the game with somebody who had mentioned, hey, uh, the other day I saw this video of Matthew Stafford, the video of him in his rookie season against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And it's like, That's a tough guy. And for him, for him saying an injury might limit him or prohibit him from playing. The fact that this bye week is coming right now, it couldn't come at a better time because we've said this once we've said it again, he's the most important piece to the offense. He's the most important piece to this team being successful. And what was kind of shocking was how well he played today, but the lions weren't able to get it done. And I think, I don't think that's a mark on his ability to not consistently finish because I think we saw what the Lions' shortcoming was today, even though their defense looked really good in crunch time, it didn't show up. And I think that's going to be the marker for, for this team going from head above water. Good. Which I I think, I think if you're an NFL team, you just, you strive to be there. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you're great. Every, every once in a while, you're the Los Angeles Rams from last year, or, you know, you're the new England Patriots every year. You know what I mean? Like every once in a while, you're a really great, great football team. And like you said, Jeremy, these first four weeks, it's all about that football team is good. And I have four weeks of film. I have four weeks of evidence and proof that that can say like that's one of the great teams this year. And obviously, it's a it's a war of um, it's a war of attrition. I think when it comes to the NFL, and that's why this bye week right now is going to help the Lions in the immediate. But I'm I'm concerned about them moving forward in the end.
3: There's a couple things there. I think one thing that we need to see to kind of make that good to great jump is dominating a bad team, right? Because they, they kind of did it in Arizona, but obviously we all, we all know how that game ended. For but, 15
2: minutes they did. Yeah, for, for yeah.
3: Great teams need to also blow out bad teams and the lines arguably don't have a bad team on their schedule unless you want to count the Cardinals, which is fair. I would say, um, but also this early in the T in the season, I don't mean they play the
1: Raiders and in November. So they play
3: the Raiders and the the Giants. Giants. Yeah. Those two games, they need to to start beating up on teams for, for us to truly believe that they've made that leap from good to great. And Matt Patricia has said in the past, like he thinks there are just like a bunch of mediocre teams, a bunch of like six and 10 to 10 and six teams. And then there are elite teams and, and elite teams usually compose maybe five teams a year. And so are the lines, one of those five teams so far, I would say no. Could they be this year? Maybe, but in order to get to that level, they need to start winning games like this. They need to start finishing more consistently. I would say, in games like this, you're probably still only going to win about fifty percent of them because they just they go back and forth. It's who has the ball yeah. last or who. That's makes how it last is in the NFL. Pay. That's how it works. So the key yeah. then to me is why I go back to beating up on bad teams. You can't let week one happen if you're a great team, and. and Maybe maybe the lines do and maybe the lines don't the rest of the way. We'll have to see. I don't know who they are still yet. I know they're good, though. I know they're good at this point. And then the one other thing we touched on Matthew Stafford's day, I have to give him a lot of credit today because I thought he was stellar. I thought this was the best game I've yeah. seen him play in maybe a, an, an entire year, maybe even
1: longer. He was. We're going to take a quick. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I can. No, no, no. Go. Finish finish the thought real quick, but I want to do individuals and some. And we'll do the drives later here, too. But yeah, finish the thought. I'm sorry. If
3: you're here watching the Twitch stream right now, we have the quarterback stats scrolling on the bottom of the screen. I'm sorry. People might not agree with this, but he outgunned, he outdueled Patrick Mahomes today. He beat him in every important stat. Hot take. Every important stat. He was hit. I mean, Mahomes was not at his most accurate, Stafford was killing it and he's doing it with a broken back hip whatever. And he broke two guys tackles. He was amazing yeah, today right, and I want to see hold more those, of that. Let's
1: hold those. I I want I want to get to those after the break and I also want to get to we're going to talk about some of the big uh drives from the game. And I almost I almost feel like we got to give some props to, to Justin Coleman who played out of his goddamn mind today too. So I think we're calling the next segment Good, Bad and Ugly. <laughs> like we're we're just codifying everything that. we've been doing. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> thank you i can't whistle uh so this is the pride of detroit pod cast i apologize for cutting him off i'm just you know because of this weird start we had it's it's running a little long <laughs> so taking a quick break here we're going to chat up our twitch people and we'll be right here back here on the pride of detroit pod cast as we dive deeper into it we're going to talk about stafford's day he had we're going to talk about justin coleman we're going to talk about the uh fumble and in, in return by breeland And that final defensive stand by the Chiefs. And we're going to maybe get some lingering injury questions. We might have to make this a long one, Jeremy. I might even blow out mailbag just because we have so much to get to from this game. I also have a rage corner coming, too, that I really need to touch on. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's loaded. It's loaded. We'll take questions throughout from our Twitch audience. Uh, I know John Whitaker is booting up online. He should be here soon to take your questions and kind of moderate and throw them to my adequate ass so uh we will take a break here so i can load up on a drink and we'll be right back on the pride of detroit p-o-d-cast
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, except for all of our Twitch audience who had to listen through me uh, talking about horrible things that happened at Bill's games and uh everything else really you like you should watch this live i download the podcast first but then go watch it live once you finish listening this just to hear like some of the weird stuff that happens but uh yeah 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 all right we're back in the seat here jeremy uh we've got so many nuggets from this game you know i we we got your stafford points you want to dig deeper into we've got justin coleman's big game we've got uh so many injuries to talk about, be it TJ Hawkinson or Darius Slayer, Quandre Diggs. And I want to talk about the fumble return, uh, that swung, a f- that was like a 14 point swing in this game. Plus the final defensive stand against the chiefs. I'm handing you the key, the keys to the kingdom. Where do you want to start first?
3: Uh, let's, let's start with the good. Let's, I, I'm the good, the bad I'm and the in ugly. a positive yep. mood. Yeah. We're going to do a good, the bad and the ugly of this game. And I want to start with the good and, you know, I just got done with my my Stafford spiel. I I even and I know people are definitely going to hate this. I even compared it a little bit to the uh, the Michael Jordan flu game a little bit in one of my posts already.
1: Okay, I don't buy that. I don't buy that from you. I wouldn't even like. You can't even convince me it's a Joe Montana chicken soup game.
3: It's just. I mean, you. I mean, you
1: read it yourself. Like, he was hurt. He was hurting bad. Yeah, a lot of guys play hurt though, and I think I feel like Stafford's played hurt before too. He has, but you still, I mean, you maybe you I'd call, it.
3: Look, this was the closest I, he'd been to not playing. That's how hurt he was. We've seen two him things are throw missing. a pass with a dislocated shoulder.
1: Two things are missing from this equation for me to a make win. it in that stratosphere. One, A is a win. Yeah, yes. Fair. B, a easily exploited market uh, product placement. For Jordan, it was Gatorade for Montana. It was Campbell's or whatever soup at the time well, yeah, in like the seventies, like hip surgery for old people. There you go. Like that that, that's what I mean. Surgeries. Like what's, what's, what, what was, what was Stafford's game place? It was fuel. <laughs> you're just trying to no? get, a Twi- you're just trying to get a Twitch promotion now. Yeah. G fuel, man. Get those scoops. All right, but
3: but the other, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and move on from that take because I know I know it sounds ridiculous and I know it is a little ridiculous, especially since it wasn't like a playoff game or anything like that. But I mean, let's you you teased it already. Let's talk Justin Coleman, um, a guy yeah. who I came out of training camp really low on. I'm like, what did the Lions do? They handed this guy the 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 richest slot corner deal I've ever seen, anyone's ever seen. And he was just getting burned by everyone in camp. And now he's come out, and he's not playing perfect football. His coverage isn't perfect, but he's making play after play after play. And he knows how to punch that ball out perfectly. Like, he is Charles Tillman right now for this team. That pass breakup that he had that literally saved the Lions four points, that tackle in the end zone, amazing. And then a couple quarters later, he punches out the ball, during Fumble Rooski Mania in the third quarter where there was five fumbles in in one quarter. He's part of that with a big punch out and he recovered it. I mean, Justin Coleman's a playmaker right now and we've been dying to see a playmaker in the secondary other than Darius Slay. You've got one in
1: in Justin Coleman right now. That's got to make you feel pretty good. I think that does make us feel pretty good, especially again, as you say, Darius Slay was out. I was kind of... that's that That was my big force of concern as soon as I heard Darius Slay as I was like what the hell are you going to do to shut down Patrick Mahomes's threats now and guess what it was Justin Coleman I didn't see it coming at all did you see it coming Ryan
2: you know we talked about Justin Coleman a little bit on the preview podcast on First Bite and about how how important and integral he he'd been so far this season and man I I said I said on that podcast that he was worth every every dollar that the Lions had paid him and it was maybe a little bit uh a little bit too early to make that kind of a statement but <laughs> after today after week four <laughs> we can we can make that statement because he he truly did have one of the the most outstanding performances on the day uh, if not the most. even even above Matthew Stafford I, I thought Justin Coleman made some plays that were absolutely crucial the, the peanut punch in the end zone um, another ball on the I think I believe it was a final drive that he almost intercepted.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot about
3: that. Yeah, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. There's so
2: many things that happened yeah, on that final drive. It's just like,
1: well, we're going to talk about that
3: in yeah, a second yeah. too. So, yeah. I
2: mean, making two big plays in, in, in the end zone that, uh, that definitely could have, you know, had, had a huge impacts on the game. And he's, he's, he's one of the, I think he's probably one of the top five players on that defense. That's for sure. And he's sure certain, he's certainly playing like top three and he's not three. So, Yeah.
1: Uh, real quick, I forgot to bring up this stat for you, Jeremy. While we were talking, Stafford. This is from our friend Beast F Ball on Twitter. One of the uh, more bizarre, one of the one of the more flamboyant people of Lions Twitter. I don't know if flamboyant is the right word. I was looking for combative. I don't even say that. I love I love, I love Beast. We've met Beast. We've met Beast before. Yes. Um, he brought up Stafford's um, average net yards. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the stat. A N Y slash Y. I know A N Y slash A. I don't know if that's different, but uh, he's saying that was 8.4 average net yards. Uh, very good. And then average yards for and again A Y slash Y. I'm sorry, I'm butchering these <laughs> things, man. I hate stats. Adjusted net uh, yards per attempt. Oh, that's adjusted net it, yards per. But that's A. Like that's what I mean. Like, why, why is it a Y at the end? <laughs> I, I feel old right now and I don't like feeling this way. Either I'm way, I like you brought up the second chat, set. Though, this is great. Yeah. The, what's the <laughs> second set? Y. It's because that's different. So that's average yards per I, you know, I, yard. Yeah. He I, had I, a good game uh, 10, 10.32, which he says is amazing. I think we can all agree
3: that this was Stafford's Michael Jordan flu game. That's what you're trying to say. I agree.
1: All right, Moving on uh, here, here, we, uh, real quick. Honolulu Blue one, uh, 1320 offers us this for you know, a uh, gratuitous product placement for sick game. Uh, Pepsi was Stafford's drink due to the Pepsi party lounge in the Myers supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Stafford got better because he was chugging Pepsi in, like, I don't know, Jack Daniels, that'd be a story.
2: It would be a story,
1: yep. All right, uh, I want to get into uh, some of the bad now. Yep. Uh, and I think I want to start with the final defensive stand against the Chiefs because I feel like, like the Breeland return, I think I'm going to label that as ugly in a second. But the the final drive, I, there were a lot of chances the Lions missed on that final drive, and we say that we've said it for a few weeks now, Jeremy. It comes down to five different plays, five different moments. Uh, in a game this one felt like five times five that could have just gone that way because like it, it, on one hand it looked like the Lions were containing him pretty well and then you just watch like two defenders turn their back to Patrick Mahomes and he just runs for 15 yards and then I will never advocate for letting a team score early just to get the ball back but I mean they were really leaning on that defensive line to stop them and it didn't happen and and I th- I think it got egregious though, Jeremy, and I I don't know if you'll agree with me. If it's not like in those final two pushes that the Chiefs were making for the end zone, there were a lot. There was a lot of man coverage in the end zone, and I think the Lions were trying to be clever by half and was worried that the Chiefs would throw on them. Which well, I mean, I don't I I don't know why they would think that, but I'm playing Monday morning quarterback a little I, bit right now. I don't
3: know I. It's goal line defense. You're you're basically yeah. selling out to stop the run, and the Lions haven't been good at stopping the run through four games. That I think that continues to be a big storyline that's overlooked a little bit is just how bad the Lions run defense has been, especially considering how strong they finished last year. It still surprised them, it still amazed me that they're just not being able to to stop that. And they've been a better goal line run defense for the first three weeks, but they weren't today. They gave up three rushing touchdowns. So that's a big concern. But yeah, I mean he, the the lines were one game away from winning this game. The the Chiefs went out. They called a timeout prior to that fourth and eight play, which meant if the lines stop them there, they can run out the entire clock. And Matt Patricia took it on him. He said, you know, that was that was on me. That play, I, I he didn't straight out say like I made a bad play call, but he, he said like I needed to tell the players, you know. A certain week like if i call this play call here are the certain weaknesses this that you need to be made aware of that sort of thing and and yeah they for whatever reason on a th- on a fourth and eight play the lines weren't prepared prepared for one of the most i mean it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a straight quarterback draw call but it was very clearly like a very quick read for patrick mahomes like if this is here you take it if it's not you're running and for the Lions not to be prepared for that in that moment is is a bad thing and whether it's on the players or the coaches Really, I mean, obviously the coach is going to take it on himself, but I'd have to go back and watch and see whose whose fault it really was. But yeah, that's that's a huge play in the game, and and yes, it definitely belongs in the ugly category from this game.
1: The bad, I would put in oh, the, the bad, bad. actually the bad. more than no, the, the bad. Ryan, uh, what was the part you felt the drive was breaking down? Was it that fourth fourth down run that got that that got it converted and basically put them into field goal range? Was it any of the goal line stands? Was it Jared Davis selling out and eating asphalt because of it? Or what, what, what was the moment where you're just like, okay, the lions are not going to stop them here.
2: I think the moment where I realized that the lions weren't going to stop them was yeah. I think when they started calling timeouts and that kind of gets into one of my other, my other bad points. And the the bad point for me was really early out of the game and I'm not going to put it in the ugly because it doesn't it doesn't belong there. But I was, I was kind of peeved that Matt Patricia burned that challenge that timeout on that very first drive when he challenged, on Johnson and the and the ruling. Yeah, for, to prevent a third and one. Yeah, to prevent mm-hmm. a third and one when the Lions were on, I believe they're on the KC like 36 or 37. So or might might have been yeah it, it was it was 37 or 38 or something like that, but. For him to challenge the ruling on the field that he was down by contact sh- short of the short of the line, they, we we talked about this before on the podcast, Jeremy, and and that's one of those rulings that very rarely ever gets overturned. Yep. And for him to burn that timeout and then also burn that challenge so early in the game, it was literally on the first drive. It seemed like it, it set me up for some panic because I was like, oh, like is Matt Patricia going to do that thing where coaches cost? cost their teams more games than they do win them football games. And is he, is he already like over, he's already overdoing it. And I forget the name of the uh, commentator, but he's the one who does the Madden uh, commentary now. But so he he was, he was calling the game and he like applauded Matt Patricia saying like, yeah, you can tell that the Lions, they're here to attack and they're here to like stay on the field. It's like, okay, if they're here to stay on the field, then like get up to the line of scrimmage, run the ball past your opponent on third and one and then keep moving along. And if not, I truly think that the Lions were in a position and this is one of those things where we don't see eye to eye with Patricia, but the Lions were even in that situation where like you should probably go for it on fourth and one from the Kansas city 38. Cause it's a really long field goal. Or, Hey, if you're really about that, like attacking the, you know, attacking the chiefs and taking it to them, then what you should be doing is you should be trusting your team to to get out on fourth and one. So don't burn a timeout. That'll be valuable. And so while, while I agree with Chris too, from his very first, you know, uh very first point he made when it came to like comes to like game planning, like I truly believe that this coaching staff does a pretty good job of game planning. Uh, it's still going to be very frustrating with like the in-game decision stuff.
1: Yep. 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 Because you have a plan in there and then just it's at the mercy of that. Mm -hmm. All right. Now moving on to the ugly. We've got to talk about carry on Johnson, fumbling the ball and Breland picking it up and taking a hundred yards back the other way and no one knowing what the hell was going on (laughs) And I'm not going to sit here and kill the officials. A lot of Lions fans are lining up, and the knives are out again for the officials. Uh, my take on this is very simple: you're a professional football player. What 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 is something you've known since Pop Warner? You play until you hear the whistle. The Lions did not play until they heard the whistle. That's it. That's all I. That's all I have for that. That's all I really have. Like it was an ugly, dumb play. I'm not sure. Like half the chiefs felt like it was weird too. And I just kind of felt like, and I, it it, 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 it baffled me why there wasn't a whistle in the first place, but yeah, that that's it. You didn't hear it. There was no whistle called. So what happens? Like I get it. You don't want to get like an unnecessary roughness penalty in that spot or anything, but you have to play until the whistle. And it was just, it was ugly. It, I don't think it cost them the game, but it was Jeremy a 14 point swing. It was, and it was the more. It was the mo- one of the more bizarre moments of the football weekend. Yeah, and it, in a game
3: that was so well played for three out of the four quarters, the third quarter was a shit show. Five. We already mentioned the five fumbles. It sucks for that play to have such a big of an impact, just because it is such a fluke fluke play. Um, I think we can all agree. Carry on, Johnson fumbled the ball. I think we can mm-hmm. all agree that the Chiefs fumbled or recovered it. I would argue maybe the first there was a first guy that kind of had it in his arms and he was clearly being touched, but whether he had full control of it or not is up for grabs. And then you know it squeezes out and the guy picks it up and runs for it, whatever. Um, so you're right in this is the lines fault ultimately. Here's where I have a big friggin' problem though: is yes, play to the whistle, blah blah blah, sure. But when a, a, a ref is running. Literally in your line, trying to get the ball set, trying to mark his spot, running right in front of Kenny Galladay, who is the one of the few people that was playing to the whistle, but he sees the ref run right across him. He's like, oh, okay, the play's over. I'll stop. Maybe I just didn't hear the whistle. Because that, that's the thing, too. Fordfield Field was loud as hell in this game. Maybe not in that moment, but you're not going to hear the whistle on every play when you're out there. You just aren't. So sometimes you're going to see refs act a certain way, and you're going to be like, oh, must have you know, been in the zone, didn't hear the whistle. I'm going to stop playing. And, and how are you supposed to react to that as, as a player? How are you supposed to know that when a ref is acting like the whistle has been blown and the play is over, that it's not? It, it's it's a terrible place to put the the lines in. And, and we've seen so many times before in which the lines don't hear the whistle. The whistle goes off. They don't hear it. They play through it. The, the personal foul on, uh, who was it that did the body slam in this game? I don't remember who it was. Mike Ford, I think. I think it was. It was Mike Ford. Yeah, it was. He it said, was Ford. Yeah. He said he didn't hear the whistle. He was playing
1: through the whistle, but he got a personal foul for it. So it, well, it, I mean, I don't think I'm advocating people to body slam people. Well, sure. To, sure. To get the whistle. But, yeah. <laughs> but Matt Patricia said,
3: I think the the explanation there was that he it was a late hit. It wasn't necessarily overly aggressive, which you you could have argued it was, but yeah, it was a late hit. So you're just putting these players in impossible situations. And to me, you need a rule in place that if your referee on the sidelines, leaves the sidelines and goes to a certain point on the field, the plays over, whether there's a whistle or not, I'm sorry. It is.
1: Because yeah. And I mean like it's messages. Just, it's, it's just part of this whole season where the refereeing has just been not good. Ryan, your thoughts.
2: It was an unfortunate sequence of events. And it's just one of those. It's one of those things where I felt really bad because I had said on the first bite preview podcast that if carry on Johnson or when carry on Johnson were to run for a hundred yards that the lions would also win. And that was me tripling down. And I, I got two of those things, right. And I didn't get the third one, right. And that fumble had a lot to do with it. I mean, don't you feel like that was, that, that really like took the sales out. I, I think that took the wind out of the, the lion sales there for a second. They did a good job of rebounding. And I mean, that final drive where, you know, uh, th- and that's another marker of a good team right like i mean if that's, something like that that's where you can fold so i mean how while many it, times like, have we seen hard. the
3: Lions catch a bad break like that and it it chains itself i mean we talked about it in in the chiefs game they get a bad break with the timeout everything falls apart the the punt gets blocked the the field goal gets blocked they 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 give up a big touchdown. the Lions rebounded they put they played so well the rest of the way that they almost made it so we weren't going to talk about that play ever again and hell we got halfway through the podcast without talking about it
1: because there were so many other things that happened right right yeah i don't think they lost the game because of this they but didn't. again it's because they yeah. took
3: the lead after it they lost
1: the game because mm-hmm. they couldn't hold on to a lead so to me
3: that's a sign of a really good team. That's a sign of a really mentally strong team. And that's something that Matt Patricia said multiple times in his press conference. We've got a mentally strong team because a lot of breaks didn't go their way. You could argue a couple of past interferences that didn't get called. You could argue the Hail Mary pass interference. If you want, I don't want, I don't like, I don't want to win a game on a past interference yeah, on a Hail Mary. That's stupid. I don't want to,
1: I don't want to do like, th- this is kind of the rough thing about the NFL right now is like every week, it seems we're coming in here and there has to be more talk about the, the officiating for me in this particular scenario was mostly egregious because it just felt like something that could have gotten handled pretty well and taken care of and just nothing happens. And at the same time, like I just, every time we start talking about PI again, man, like, man, I hate every time they go to review this thing. It's so stupid. It's proving me. It's, I mean, like I remember two years ago, I'm like, I want less instant replay, not more. And everyone called me insane. And everyone said, "Chris, you like what if the Lions lose a Super Bowl because of a re- they can't get an instant replay?" And I just, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't keep doing this. It, it bothers me that every time we come in here, it's more talk about the referees. Because like sooner or later, we're all going to become the Saints. Every all 32 teams, everyone's going to turn into Saints fans, <laughs> bitching about the refs. And I can't do it, man. I can't. I refuse to do it. Someone saying, Bolson 10 <laughs> offering an all caps because NFL officiating sucks. Look, man, I feel bad for the refs because. They don't get a ton of money. This is always part-time jobs for them. The NFL doesn't kick them enough money for to make this their full-time job. And even if it wasn't like, you, you've got to if you, if you want good talent, you got to give them good money, because otherwise these guys have jobs as like lawyers or some other some other stuff. My my dad works as an official for for golf for a bunch of golf tournaments. Like it's it's his side job and the NFL absolutely does not make it easy by the fact that every year they change the goddamn rule book like head to toe they seem to change it and it throws things for a loop and, and you have to relearn everything and, did you and see? it just means that and you're just so you're squeezing talent and you're asking them to relearn everything on the fly yep. for less pay and guess what happens the quality goes down you pay you get exactly what you pay for
3: and did you did you see what what i can't remember who said it but after you know there was that controversial green bay pass interference on thursday that they reviewed and everyone agreed on review like that's past interference they didn't overturn it mm. and and someone said like yeah I, at the owners meetings it was it was a shit show this was all just thrown together so hastily it was it was chaos they threw together this rule book and no one knows how to officiate it no one knows right. how it's going to be officiated and it's chaos and you're seeing it it's like i knew that i could see this come when you make a rule reviewable that is completely gray area there is no black and white with pass interference you're asking for trouble. And guess what? Y'all got it.
1: Some people are bringing up like how much they pay the officials. I don't find that disqualifying at all. Like, I know that's a lot of money, but again, it's like when we talk about player contracts, right? People get mad at the players for wanting more during a lockout when they make millions. And I have to remind you guys, again, the owners make billions with a B and because of salary cap, they pocket so much of that. Like the, The chump, the $10,000 a game, whatever it is, that's chump change to the NFL. Like you, and again, these guys are lawyers. Like maybe that is chump change to some of those lawyers. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like it's, 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 I, I don't know how the, how the NFL digs itself out of it, but I didn't want to turn this into a, uh, you know, a thing. But I feel like we should take a break here. We still have some injury stuff. I want to get to my rage corner. and I want you guys to get your questions in here. Hashtag ask POD on Twitter. Um, If you're listening, it's too late on Twitter. However, if you're in the Twitch chat, start sending them in. Uh, John is online. Our lovely moderator, John Whitaker. He will get me some of your questions. Remember, we'll take questions on anything. Doesn't need to be about this game. We've been talking about this game for 40 minutes, and we'll keep talking about it more. But we always like the fun questions here. That's what, this, that's what this show is about. We make Lions football fun. It's a rough loss for the Lions here. We're going to have some fun here. We're going to have some fun yakking on the Lions, yakking about food. Uh, Alex dragged me and Jeremy the other night into a argument over Euros and food. And Alex is wrong. Spoiler alert. But, you know, that's just what we do here. We're taking a quick break. Have a little banter with our Twitch audience. We'll be right back to get to Rage Corner and much more here on the Pride of Detroit cast. Mail time! Mail time! Mail time!
3: Here's the mail, it never fails, it
1: makes me want to wag my tail, when it comes I want to wail, Mail time hashtag ask POD as always get your questions in. What else can I say? Um, all right. Uh, bro, John is sending me questions. Uh, I'm going to take a couple from Twitter to start. We'll start with chimsa chim sis, I think it's chim says, I, God damn it. Wow. The songs, the songs in the podcast and people are already telling us don't sing. All right. <laughs> um, do the Lions still go up in power rankings power rankings despite losing?
3: <laughs> I mean, this is the weird obsession with power rankings that everyone has. I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot depends on who you had in front of them. I don't think they should move much either way, honestly. I I think like the 10 to 14 spot seems good for this team right now. Like we said, they're they're good right now, not great. They're borderline a top 10 team, I would say. And so, yeah, 10 to 14, which is, I think, where most people had them last week. I think they should probably stay right around there.
2: I think that they should be rated higher than any NFC North team.
3: Ooh, that's you know that's not going to happen, though, right?
2: No, I I don't think that's going to happen. But I, I definitely think that they, I think that they're the best team in the NFC North right now.
3: Wow. Wow. And then the interesting thing is, and I put it out there on Twitter is that every NFC team has played two division games so far.
0: NFC North team. Played,
3: yeah. NFC North team has played two division games so far. The Lions have played zero. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to make that comparison. Cause there's no data points there. There's just like the shared opponent of the Eagles with the lines and, and the Packers. But, but I don't like doing like a, transitive property. Like if the lions beat the Eagles and green Bay didn't beat the Eagles, that means the Lions are better. Than the Packers. That's not really how the NFL works, but
1: right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know who I think the best team in the NFC North is. All right. Next question then is from H DeJong on a scale of one to 10. How concerned are you about Hawkinson? So Hawkinson did leave with a concussion in this game. Some people were talking about the hurdle as being like, we were talking good, the bad and the ugly Hawkinson trying to hurdle was definitely in the ugly category. I mean, we saw
3: it twice in this game the hurdle didn't mm-hmm. work. One time, like, I can't remember who it was. I think it was another tight end. He basically almost jumped on the shoulders of a guy. That Logan Thomas? I think it was. Yeah. Um, is yeah, they I mean, teaching them? The hurdle is becoming more and more common, and it's. I feel like it's working less and less. And it, it's probably hypocritical of me to stand here and, and say, like, don't do it again because – when the full when nick bought did it last week i'm like yes greatest thing ever
1: (laughs) that's just it when it works it's like it's cool when it doesn't it's like oh my god watch out (laughs) and i think matt patricia also said i I don't remember the specific quote but he's like yeah we, we probably have
3: to cut back on that because it can be a very dangerous you have to be very situational with it because when it when it doesn't go right it can go very very wrong and it did go very wrong and in terms of the, the question how Hawkinson is doing, we don't have a ton of information out there. Patricia said after the game that he was talking, he, he didn't go to the hospital, he was in good moods, his parents were there. Um so in in terms of like good short-term times, short-term signs, we've seen some good things. Um, but this is a thing where I mean with a concussion, you never know. You never know how long they're gonna linger, you never know how you know how easy they can come back. I don't want to push any sort of, you know, notion like, Ooh, this is obviously a very serious, this one, but it did look like he lost consciousness and that's scary. I don't know what it means in terms of a term concussions and things like that, but it was just, it was a scary moment in the stadium being there. Cause I mean, it's one of those things. Like I I literally turned to my buddy Eric after the game, like or after the hit. And I'm just like, these are the moments in which I question my involvement in this sport because it's, it's so scary. And it's just like, I don't want to see this happen to people. I don't want to see six replays of a guy's head slamming against the turf in slow motion.
1: I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. If only because like, I think at this point for me, at least I'm, I'm comfortable with it just because like, this is what the sport is. I think, I I think I'm comfortable. Like I've grown up with this sport. I've been, I, I didn't play it too much, but I was always around it in high school. A bunch of my friends played, Uh, My friend Jay Wheeler, he went to Penn, Penn and he ended up playing football there. And like, I know an injury ended his career a little early and just other stuff. It's, it's been in my college life. It's been in, you know, I've been a pro fan of this team since like the early aughts. I look, I, I think the thing is too, is like, I'm also a fan of UFC and boxing and I think in that sport, we all know what a blood sport it is. And I, I get when people say they are queasy about the violence. and know Rob Parker, not to you know, put a pen, dollar in the jar, bring up Rob Parker again. But I know he personally tells me sometimes he's kind of queasy of the violence too. And uh, I mean, he's a big baseball guy. So I think he'd love to just, you know, do baseball if he could. But I uh, I, I just, it I, I don't feel that way because... It's not that I think these guys, I'm not going to say these guys, I'm not going to say the line that these guys knew what they signed up for. I I don't think that's always the case, but I think at this point it's harder as the years go on to make the assumption that they don't know what they're signing up for at this point. That this is this is a violent sport. You're putting your body on the line. It's accepted it it has to be accepted at some point. I think it was terrible the league lied about CTE and that is probably a more damning thing than ever. But I think at this point, if I'm going to stick in football, like the violence is part of it. The, the culture of this game of America really swims in violence and it just, it, I, I've, maybe I'm cold. Maybe I've insulated myself from that, I, but. Well, I think the part that bothers me is I feel complicit in it in those moments. No, that not I'm,
3: really. I'm pushing. I mean, I know the NFL is going to survive with me. I'm not that naive or, you know, self-involved and think like, oh, well, if I step away from pride of Detroit, suddenly there's no Detroit lions fans in the world or anything like that but in the moment like i'm there i'm i've I've paid for memorabilia i've paid for all that like i'm 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 part of this and and i deserve a little bit of the blame of of not
1: really no i just work i know where you're coming from i just i i don't believe that in any case like you know me i'm i grew up as the marxist no ethical consumption under capitalism it applies here like there's, there's no way that your favorite thing that you can live a completely ethical consumer life. And I, I'm not saying it's okay then to indulge in every vice possible, but at the same time, I'm also not saying like that you're never going to get a, uh, a guilt free blood sport is what I'm saying. And I sure. mean, just I, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. we're all contributing to it. I don't know. But I think to change that culture, to change the attitude requires more than just a few people feeling guilty when someone's neck gets crunched a little bit. So and again, like, hey, you know, boxing has survived. We all know what boxing is. The whole point of the, the thing is to punch the guy in the head. It just, we, we've had these blood sports forever in, in human culture, and it just takes on different forms. So, I don't know. Ryan, do you have anything to add to this, or should I just get on to the next question?
2: Let's just get on to the next question. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, El Gato Diablo. Biggest question. Is Ford Field the hardest place to kick in the NFL? <laughs> For a dome, you wouldn't think it would be, <laughs> right. but holy crap.
2: Yeah, there's something magic in those field goalposts. It's the only explanation for it. I don't think that there's anything else that can be said. I did see one one interesting tactic I saw. Uh, I think it may have been this weekend, or maybe net, or, or maybe last weekend, but it was at a college football game, and they had white field goal posts, and everybody behind it was wearing white.
1: <laughs> I love it. I can buy that. I like I, it.
2: I, I would love to see Ford Field to strengthen their field goal post defense by everybody behind the field goal post wearing yellow when the opposing team is kicking.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes.
3: Oh my
2: God. Like I want, want, now I'm thinking
3: like, now I'm turning into a capitalist judgment. like, can we sell t-shirts
1: like that? We we need a column (laughs) on on pride of Detroit. We need, we need to make a modest (laughs) proposal. Everyone behind the goals, wear yellow, wear let's have an impact. Is
3: that, it,
2: listen, is that against if, the rules? I don't think that's
3: no. Is no, that listen, we've, we've possibly be against the rules. We've made
1: Africa happen. We can absolutely make this happen. We have the power now. Yeah. All right, Chat, let's do it. Do your part and
2: make right. it happen. Let's hey, do it. How, how about the Detroit Lions? How about just as a giveaway, like every single game, those shirts that are right. lined up with the field we goal post have, view.
1: Lucifer <laughs> yeah. says you, audible you, dong shirts.
2: Audible dong shirts. Oh
3: man. Yeah. I think, I think you just like, it's like a reversible shirt or like one. You can just like, you know, mm-hmm. literally turn it around. It's white. Yeah, on like one the insides side. yellow, oh, cool. the insides
1: yellow, the outsides Honolulu
3: blue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I Perfect. like this. Yeah. How has no one thought about this before?
2: I don't know. Innovators I'm here man. right now. I'm here right now. changing the game. It's like what the other day on Twitter, I saw some girl who filled her lipstick tube with, uh, with cheese innovation man it's reaching new heights
1: okay that's weird but anyway <laughs> next question running away from that very quick next question to Divius uh, can you explain in detail the plan for Ryan to smuggle in a uh, sex toy to Ford Field no okay <laughs> this dovetails nicely into my next question from from Z ZDOW Junior 41 do any of Ryan's students listen to or know of him on the POD cast they do Uh, i
2: hope they don't watch the live twitch streams but if they do
1: why'd you say that now man now they know and knowing is half the battle we never promote the twitch streams on here all right Uh,
3: are there there any kids watching
1: twitch these days kids don't watch twitch no they watch bolson 10 asking uh noting here i should say uh i hate patricia rotating wiggins in just stop right doll and glasgow are too good um how do you think about this because i know i saw a really bad play from joe doll in this game like he, he gave did. he gave up something i i forget the actual context now but it was pretty bad
3: yeah he gave up an immediate pressure and i think it turned into a sack i, I mean yeah I don't, that's what I, it was yeah i'll be honest i I don't get it at all. I don't get this rotation of the guards. I don't understand why they're doing it. I don't, I don't know what they're benefiting from it. I don't know if it's a mat it can't be a matchup thing because the defense is reacting to them, not vice versa. And so, I mean, my, my years of being a football fan, all I've been told is that you want your starting five out there to be together as much as possible to grow chemistry, to, to, you know, become one full unit. And when you're giving Kenny Wiggins 20, 30 snaps a game at left guard and at right guard. So it's not even like you're just replacing one guy. You're placing both and like creating this weird dynamic. And I I just don't get it. And part of me wants to be like, all right, know your role. You're just a fan sitting at home. These are coaches that get paid millions of dollars. They know what they're doing. There must be some sort of explanation for it that they're not giving us. But I just I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think he's been Patricia's been asked it before and he's given kind of a non-answer. And I I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't get it either. It it doesn't make me that mad because the offensive line for the most part has been playing pretty well. They weren't great today, but they were okay. But I I still don't I can't rationalize it for you. I'm sorry. I don't understand it.
1: Lion's blood twenty asking us if Ramsey is available. Do you go all in at this point? He's the hottest free agent. He's the hottest trade commodity on the market right now, man. Do you go for Jalen Ramsey? I mean, is cornerback an issue right now? It is. Uh, is I would say. I would say if Darius Slay is out for an extended period of time, it is. He won't be. He was a
3: game time decision today. I mean, here's the thing: Jalen Ramsey is a great guy, and the lines would be better with him on the team, absolutely. But the fact that he's gone this far, and and not been traded, tells me one thing: this the asking price is too high. Mm-hmm. So no.
2: Well, so then then the question becomes: if the asking price becomes lesser, because Jacksonville decides that they're going to get something for him rather than nothing. Yeah. I mean, could be- you
1: imagine uh, that secondary? Like Slay would, and Ramsey, digs in the in the in the slot, Coleman to rotate in, like that's Legion would, of Boom.
2: No, I mean Jalen Ramsey would do everything to make the secondary one of the best in the NFL. Absolutely. With his skill set and what and what he what he excels at, he would be perfect for a Matt Patricia defense. But the question is, does he make the Lions like does he push them over the edge? Like does he push them over the top? And I kind of almost want to agree with Jeremy. Like I, I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is the thing that would would stir the drink on defense. I, I feel like the Lions are. I feel like the Lions are a linebacker away. I'd agree with that. And and truth be told, they they might be a healthy Deshaun Hand and a healthy Mike Daniels away from being a good defensive line because like you said, Trey flowers, I thought Trey flowers had maybe his best game of the year so far this year. And he, he continues to play himself into, into game shape. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth at at first. I thought, yeah, it absolutely is. But like Jeremy said, I think the asking price right now is just far too high. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I think I'm with you there. It just might be too high. Um, We're getting some breaking reports by the way um, from pro football talk. On the Lions' Sorry. second Hail Mary attempt, Pro Football Talk reports the league office opted against a full-blown replay review for possible pass interference. Uh, I don't know how to take this. I will just say this. There's always pass interference on a Hail Mary play, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's
1: I, like I, I don't, don't want to sit through, podcast, a, but sit through another replay. I don't want to win a game on... Then,
3: on one hand, I don't want to win a game on like a pass interference Hail Mary, but on the other hand, like
1: on hand, we, we, yeah.
3: we, we also wouldn't have one of Matthew Stafford's greatest moments of all time without pass interference on kind of a Hail Mary play <laughs> against yeah. Cleveland. Um I don't I I I kinda got the feeling like the rest just wanted to get out out of there at the end of the game because they did put an extra second on the clock so the Lions could Give have two a seconds. second Hail Mary. Yeah. yeah. Um but man, I don't know. I, I don't know it, okay. by the book, it was past interference. I don't know if I really want a, a world in which that's called consistently. If I'm being yeah. completely honest.
1: Yeah. I just, I feel like this off season, they just got to kill the rule. Just go back to what it was before. Cause this is just abominable. Uh, Cole it- at good looks coon on Twitter. Have you guys seen the meme war on Reddit for the lions? KC game. Uh, I'm going to be honest. We don't really go to Reddit too much.
3: I mean, they're doing their own thing. It, Reddit used to have value it. to me because they, they used to provide like clips of stuff. Like if I had missed someone on an NFL network saying, Hey, I think the Lions are going to win the NFC North. I, I don't watch NFL network. I can't watch NFL network. So that, that was useful to me when they were posting like clips and news from other sources that I could use for notes or a potential article. But now they're just memes and, you know that's fine if you want to be a meme place where you just post funny stuff go for it it's just not for me so no i yeah I really i'll try
1: it. to i'll try to i used to moderate on reddit that was like my first thing coming up when i first started a podcast it was through reddit rcfb for college football um the make plays podcast which i haven't done in like basically since i came on with pride to detroit um I think I'll try to go back on there a little bit more. I know, I know they get mad at me for being negative or whatever, but I mean, who doesn't? So the last time
3: I went on there, they had a a picture of Patricia and Andy Reed as sumo wrestlers. I'm like,
1: yeah, I don't need to come back here. See, I like that's the thing too, is like, I like sumo. So I mean, I I saw that. I'm just like, I'm not sure what's the funny thing about this, but I mean, granted, I don't know. Anyway, uh, next question from Gary AMG Prevo on Twitter Uh, Do you think there's a chance we will make a, this kind of digs into the Jalen Ramsey stuff we were talking about. Do you think there's any chance the Lions will make a play to trade for a pass rusher before the deadline? Or do you still think that we stick with what we have following the old, if it's not broken, don't try to fix it
2: rule? No, I, I don't think that their pass rush necessarily needs to improve all that much. And I think that there are players who just need to get healthy that are gonna make the difference. Like I mentioned, Deshaun Hand, Mike Daniels gets healthy again, some of these other players as they get into better game shape. I, I truly think that the Lions are, like I said, they're a linebacker away from having from having a a, a, a really from, from having a, a good defense and or a, you know, a better defense. And I, I don't know if they I don't like trades like that don't happen. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the lions are going to like go out and just get a linebacker at the trade deadline. It's not the NBA where like, Hey, there's a market. And if you need one of these things, you can easily buy it from a team that's willing to sell. I think the NFL, the trade deadline happens so early that some teams aren't totally ready to throw in the towel. And if they are, you're probably not getting like an elite linebacker.
1: Do you, uh, do you think this is because of the snacks Harrison trade last year? People are just hungry and think it's more in the cards. Maybe they
2: might I, and, but that's but because Gettle, Gettleman's an idiot. So yes. that's, well. <laughs> that's, the
1: only reason to that's Dave Gettleman who helped get, who helped advise the lions to hire Matt Patricia. Thank you very much. And I mean, I've been saying this since Matt Patricia was hu- hired, like
3: fans obsession with like a pure pass rusher, like a complete Mac type where he's going to beat his guy and, and get to the quarterback in, in a second and a half. That's not the guy that the Lions are looking for. Like yeah. I know that's generational talent that any team would benefit from having, but the Lions want guys that can do multiple things. They can play on the outside, they can play on the inside, they can rush the passer, they can pass defend, the they can contain. Contain is such a big part of this defensive identity, is that they don't want pass rushers to just like come in from the edges because a lot of really good quarterbacks can now step up. I mean, you do that to Patrick Mahomes and he's he's running for 20 yards on every play. And so what they want is, like, contained pressure where you're not necessarily getting to the quarterback right away because that's going to open up a rushing lane. You're just slowly closing in on the pocket all at once. And so if you're expecting this team to go out and get, like, an elite pass rusher, which, by the way, very rare anyways and probably not going to be on the trade block very often. The Khalil Mack trade was definitely exception, not the rule. Um, It's just not going to happen. The the Lions have the edge guys that they want. They like Devon Kennard. They like Trey Flowers. They like Romeo Quara. They're happy with those guys and they're going to stick with them.
1: We're joined now, by the way, by Ryan's dog, Goose. Uh, everyone goose. say, what up, Goose, in the Twitch chat. Thank <laughs> you very much, Steez, lead, leading the charge. Uh, let's see. I'm going to get a couple more questions here and then we'll get you guys out the door. Um, let me find where I put them. Unfortunately, Ooh, I'm an idiot. More Goose. More Goose. Uh, okay. Uh Sorry. Let's see here. I, I've got a lot of other things. Oh, here we go. Cordy Aaron handing us this question. Which team is more likely to go 0-16, the Dolphins or Washington?
3: Come on. That's a That's, layup.
1: <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> yes. Okay.
3: The Dolphins are trash. They, have, they, they, are they like, hung with the Chargers you, for, like,
1: a half. but You look at some of the numbers. It is historically <laughs> bad. It is, like, breaking every record since, like, the 30s bad for for their numbers in the first 3 games of the season. We'll have to see what well, happens when they compile the fourth game, but yeah.
2: They're really bad, but at the same time, Washington's really bad too and they're yeah, playing in they a difficult division.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think and I I don't I don't have any hope to see the the Washington like turn it around at all. I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. I don't see a winnable game they have on the schedule. Um, unless the Jets just absolutely. They play Miami. They play Miami in two weeks. Oh my God. You're right. We are actually <laughs> going to have a, uh, a playoff for it's 0-16. We have, to bet we have to bet that game, Ryan. We have to bet that game.
3: Can we just go oh, to that game? I wish it was next week. I would go to that game. if it, was it was in, in Mi- Miami? It's in Miami. It's in South Beach. If it was literally next week in the Lions bye week, I would go to it because I got I got family down there. Oh my God. That would be oh amazing. Oh my God. But come, I mean. Well, how can? Here's here's the reason why I say Miami by a mile is because one, I've never made it this far in uh in Survivor football, and now I'm mm-hmm. invincible because the Miami Dolphins exist.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna make it to the end. It's funny. So we have uh, predictions at uh, in the Fox Sports Radio control room, and the we and we had to pick NFC winner, AFC winner, Super Bowl winner, MVP, uh, worst team in the league. And then uh, surprise going out on a limb prediction. And I picked Vikings, Chiefs, Chiefs over the Vikings in the Super Bowl. Mahomes MVP. So I'm feeling good about everything there except Vikings. But here comes the money. Worst team, I picked the Dolphins before they started their fire sale. And my <laughs> out on the limb is that Jay Gruden's going to get fired midseason. Ooh. I'm feeling good about all that right now. I'm feeling real good, man. <laughs> I'm feeling real good. <laughs> Broken clock. They were
2: talking about. They are talking about changes being made in Washington if, if if they had a bad game today. When it came yeah, to the well, Jay they, they had a
1: bad game to get today. So we will see, man. They lost. They lost bad to the Giants. Like I, I heard rumors that they'd fire him if he didn't win against the Giants. We'll see what happens come Monday really is something. All right, one more question here, then we should probably get out of here. Um, Dow Jr. hands us another one. I like this one. Will Golden Tate get a standing ovation when the Giants come to town? Hmm.
2: Yes, I say he does. I think so.
1: I don't think the NFL works like that. I I don't think Tate as good of a player as he was. He didn't really make that kind of an impact on Lions fans. I don't, like... Mm. What what, what would would you qualify uh, as a standing ovation? Would you say when they call it, when this like teams take the field or something or like, when would he get it?
2: I think he'll get it. I think the lions will put together some kind of like little video package that they'll play. You think so? No, no. no. I think they will. If he he gets a, if he gets a first down, they traded him. How could they do that? What do you mean? He he spent, he spent probably, I mean, if you think of golden Tate, you think of golden Tate, the Detroit lion. You don't think of golden Tate, the Seattle Seahawks or golden Tate, the New York giant. And I also think that he was. I think he maybe a over the- Seattle though.
3: When have they I ever still- done anything like that? I've never heard of a team putting it together. A photo
1: like he wasn't here for ten years. He was here for what? Five? Four? Four. I think. One mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I don't want to
1: get, but no, no. Go on. Go on with your point, Ryan. I, I'm curious on your logic here, and I'm curious where it would happen because I just I, I want to picture it. I'm just trying to visualize it.
2: I think that they could just do it during some kind of like TV timeout. and like maybe it's not any a bit maybe it's no big thing. Maybe it's just a small thing where they have the butt flip or something or they have him with the pom poms. But Golden Tate was without a doubt, one of the like biggest fan favorites. and I think that he was he was really one of the catalysts for the Lions starting to acquire some some like top tier talent on the free agent market. Like there weren't a lot of free agents that came to Detroit before before Golden Tate, who was arguably like, you know, a player that was on the cusp of like entering his prime and deciding to come here instead of being with other teams. So I don't know. Well, here here's the other thing too. I think the Lions are probably gonna do what they can to to get some to generate some goodwill with wide receivers and and keep it right now. I don't know why would they
1: need to do that? Why would they need to do that with Ryan?
2: I don't know but is there was there anything today Jeremy that was more awkward than when the Lions announced that Calvin Johnson was one of their
3: I mean there well, were a lot well, of well, things well, with well, the, well, the, well, the the homecoming game and the the all yeah the all-time team and he got a really healthy round of applause from the fans fans still love him but all yep. the stuff he's saying about the team fans, I think still most love him. fans
1: don't know about the drama that goes down with it. It kind of it gets pushed off the front page a lot too, and maybe sure. some people just think it's going to come around eventually, like it did with Barry Sanders. So it, it was just funny
3: to me, like in the pregame package they were putting together the greatest moments from from franchise history, and the very first one was Calvin Johnson's game in Atlanta where he set the single season record for receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Everyone got really excited, and it's just like. I mean, this, this, I, I can't help but look at that moment and be soured watching it inside of yeah. Ford Field and be like, yeah, that's great. Now, why isn't he here for the homecoming game where you're announcing the all time team and he's the greatest wide receiver you've ever had? It still makes me mad. It still makes me mad.
1: All right. Uh, well, uh, Bolson has a great follow-up and then we really got to get out of here. We're going to be closing on a 40 minutes on this segment. So I, I almost feel like chopping this off into its own podcast, but then I just don't know what to do with my rant at the start. I ruined everything. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, Bolson asks here, like if Tate could do a redo, do you think he would resign here in Detroit?
3: Mm-hmm. That's I, I'm assuming that's working under the assumption that the Lions offered him some sort of deal prior to last year, which I yeah. think there were reports of that. Um, Man, I don't. That's that's hard to say, because obviously things are off to a rough start for the Giants. Although, what they're two and two now. Yeah. Um, and
1: I mean, he's a receiver. He mentors. He gets to be a receiver, helping to mentor and break in a young quarterback too. And you know, it, he gets to be in New York. So, I mean, He got a playoff win out of it too. He did.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, he was I, with I, the I don't Eagles. think he would necessarily change anything.
1: No, no, I really, I really don't think so. I think he is a good, serviceable receiver. I don't know if he's Hall of Fame. He's definitely Hall of Very Good right now. He has a very quiet, understated career, and he has a Super Bowl ring already. Like I think Tate's, won, and he's making good money now. I think he's he's comfortable with what comes. And after taught, I talked with him way back, and like he just seems like a guy who takes it as things come at him. He's not really bothered by too much, you know. So.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if Golden Tate would necessarily send the Lions over the over the top. I think I think that the, obviously he's a better receiver than Danny Amendola, but I don't think that him being here would be something that would make the Lions like a top five offense. Yeah.
1: All right, we should wrap it up here. Again, thank you guys so much for here. This has been a long one. We've done. We've had our share of technical difficulties, and it's now getting late on the East Coast. Thank you all for indulging us. We're going to uh, do a little bit of Twitch chat here at the end, but for the POD cast here, signing off. See you star side.